It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Two moms looking for inspiration wherever wherever we we can can find it. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. This is episode 121. In this podcast, we will be talking about the inspiring comedy legend Carol Burnett and how laughter can heal. I will be talking about the incredible Misty Copeland, the first African-American ballerina to be the principal dancer for the American Ballet Theater. I'm Teresa. I'm Colleen. Let's Let's get get inspired. Okay, Teresa. As we're getting to know each other and work through this podcast, we're asking each other some fun questions. So my question for you today is, what is your favorite food? I would say not Irish. Not Irish? We had Irish last night. It was really fun. (laughs) It was really fun. But I, I learned that I'm not big into, well, first off, corned beef. Okay. Didn't try it, but... I guess I don't like pastrami. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so I'm not huge into Irish food. I love potatoes. Love yeah, potatoes. Same. In so, every way, um, shape, and yeah. form. Sorry for our friends in Ireland, but I was <laughs> not super excited about the food. So I would have to say either like Chinese food, like mm. P.F. Chang's, which is Americanized Chinese food, sure. or like Thai, Pad Thai. Mm, yes. Yeah. What about you? Uh, it's so funny just talking about other flavors because mm-hmm. ramen mm. or pho mm. will probably be my most favorite thing, much to my husband's chagrin. <laughs> but I always joke and say pho cures everything. <laughs> so if I'm sad, if I'm sick, <laughs> like it cures everything. I think my kids would agree with that. Yes. I love to laugh. Me too. <laughs> I'll take a chuckle whenever I can get it, but I I really like full-blown hysterical laughing. Me too. So it doesn't happen often. When it does, it's usually with my siblings. We can really mm-hmm. get each other going. For <laughs> yes. whatever reason, when we're all together, we just make each other laugh over stupid, stupid things. But it's just one of those things where we end up laughing because everybody else is laughing, and that just makes it go on and on and on. I have one brother that every story he tells is funny. Just, right? It makes you laugh. Yes. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> yes. My kids sometimes tease me about how maniacal my laugh can be <laughs> when something sets me off. And this is going to sound really mean, but weird things trigger me. For instance, my husband, we were hiking near Connie Mountain one time, and it's gotten a lot of switchbacks, and he took a misstep and ended rolling down the <laughs> steep hill, like rolling, rolling, rolling. And like in the movies. Yes. Like that's what yes, I envisioned. Absolutely. In the movies. Yes. So he's flopping over and over again. And thankfully, he wasn't hurt. I wasn't laughing until <laughs> until I knew he wasn't hurt. It hurt his pride. That definitely absolutely. was hurt. But I just ended up belly laughing. And so I'm like laughing the whole time we're heading up the mountain. I couldn't stop like the rest of the day. And even now, as I repeat the story, it makes me laugh. And my kids totally thought I lost it. I've they still talk about that. In church before, like hysterically. 
and couldn't stop for almost an hour. So I, I just feel like I can relate. <laughs> but laughter can be much more than a reaction to something funny. It can be a coping mechanism and it can heal. There's a reason that there's a saying that laughter being the best medicine and science backs this up. There have been numerous studies about how laughter can improve health. Biologically, laughter is shown to increase dopamine and serotonin activities, two chemicals released in the brain that cause you to feel good. Low dopamine levels can lead to moodiness, depression, and even Parkinson's, which I did not know. Wow, I didn't either. Dopamine is also a chemical that allows you to feel pleasure, satisfaction, and motivation. Low serotonin can also contribute to depression and higher levels of serotonin and help with anxiety, OCD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and depression. Not only does laughter cause more dopamine and serotonin to be released, but it also helps suppress other brain chemicals that cause problems like stress. Cortisol, often just known as the stress hormone, is reduced when we laugh. So I need to be laughing a whole lot more. Yeah, (laughs) same. So laughter increases the good chemicals in our brain and helps reduce the bad chemicals in our brain. But it isn't just chemistry. For a mental health perspective, laughing is distracting. Helps break thought cycles that could be otherwise hard to disrupt. And if you're stressed out about something, laughter can help you forget about it, at least in the short term. I mean, the problems are still there, but at least it gives you a little reprieve. Also, too, don't you think when you laugh about a problem, it makes it seem less? Not as big. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It can provide your brain a much-needed break. And socially, laughing with others helps create or cement a social bond with others. It's a powerful way to overcome disagreements. When you laugh with others, you feel less alone. And like when I think of Craig falling down that mountain, every time we take that hike, it brings back that memory. And I just right. find myself laughing about it again because I can picture it. And now you can picture it because right. it's like in the movies. <laughs> when I see my siblings, I often think of all the times we've laughed until we were almost in tears. And my poor dad, it's, most of the stuff is related <laughs> to my dad. You know, one time uh, I took a trip with my siblings and I kept a travel journal. Oh, that's a good idea. And I'll break it out every couple of years. And I wrote down like funny things because we were in the car for hours. Yeah. And we laugh hysterically <laughs> still. And I hope it's the funny the brother had the best stuff in there. Yes. Yeah. That's good. It's just a fun idea to keep those yeah, things written yeah. down. Yeah, because we forget a lot of them. Yes. Physically, laughter helps relax muscles. It can help reduce blood pressure. It increases your intake of oxygen, increases your heart rate, and helps oxygenate your body. It involves your lungs, heart, and muscles. I don't know if you've ever laughed so hard that your stomach can be (laughs) sore. But the medical benefits of laughter have even created laughter therapy. I don't know if you've heard of laughter yoga. No. Um, I've heard it with goats. Okay. I thought it was a total joke at my work, and I was like, no way am I ever doing this. We did have a laughter specialist come to the Parkinson's group and talk about laughter and just, like, forcing yourself to laugh because that still releases those same hormones. If I'm feeling sad, I turn on Big Bang Theory or just another (laughs) option for everybody. Go on Jimmy Fallon hashtags. Mm -hmm. You know, he gives out a hashtag, Mm -hmm. and they're hysterical. So if I'm sad, (laughs) you you turn on those two things. 
There you go. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> um, it's been proven to be helpful for people to cope with serious diseases such as cancer. There's some evidence to support even faked laughter, like I said, can have <laughs> beneficial effects on humans. Interesting. Okay. She, when that we did that hard. class, she did make us fake laugh. And it's really hard, but then you're laughing at other people that are fake Probably. laughing. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's been found to be especially helpful in elderly populations. So that's okay. the one I'm talking about. Yeah. One study in Japan of elderly patients found that those who laughed on a regular basis tended to be far more healthy than those who didn't laugh often. They even found correlations, though not direct evidence, that people who laugh regularly live longer. And I would say, even if they don't live longer, at least they're happier. Agree. So, yep. Studies are showing that laughter can improve sleep, which is essential to everybody's overall health. And laugh therapy can include playing games, watching funny movies, listening to a humor podcast, reading memes, and in some cases, clowns. (laughs) One time I was listening to a funny podcast and... My cat came running in because he thought I was crying. (laughs) But I was laughing. (laughs) You protective cat. But I thought, that's a good podcast. That's funny. (laughs) Clowns are definitely, that would increase my stress levels. They would be rising, not falling. But I know that there are some people out there that think clowns are funny. Right. I have yet to find a funny clown. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe too much Stephen King. Right. Even though I haven't seen that movie. That's funny because I know exactly, like, that's what came to mind for me, too. I know. And I've never seen that movie. Yeah. I haven't. Well, no. The kids did make me watch The Ring. No better than that. (laughs) (laughs) So a few ways to bring more laughter into your life. These are just some ones that I came up with. Find some good comedies to watch. My husband complains that I watch too much true crime. Same. (laughs) And he's probably right. (laughs) Yep. But a few personal recommendations for comedy shows, season one through seven of Psych, and only the last episode of eight, they got a little bit, I think they all were trying to do things that they had wanted to do forever, and then okay. it just wasn't very funny. I still but, have never watched that show. Oh my gosh, you to. need to watch it. It's yes. so funny. So funny. Ted Lasso. Right. All of those are good. Yep. Feel good. And then The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, I love that. So good. Yes. And even though I've seen them over and over and over again, Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson in Starskin Hutch. Oh, I finally saw that with you oh. guys at the beach. Yes. It's good, Yes, huh? yes. Dodgeball. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Napoleon oh Dynamite. Gosh, if you haven't seen that movie. <laughs> I know. If you can dodge a wrench. Or Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Napoleon oh. Dynamite. My, my mom talked me into watching that and the first time I watched it I didn't think it was very funny I was like this is so dry you it took me a few times you have to go into it with low expectations <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well everybody had been talking about it so It'd just be like I don't know yeah yes and then what about Bob with Bill Murray my gosh loves that movie I, I don't know if I've ever seen it um what are your go-to comedies well, Big Bang Big Theory, Bang. like I already said. I do love comedy podcasts. There's mm-hmm. this one I really, really love called C- True Crime oh. Obsessed. <laughs> and that's a comedy podcast? It is, and I know that sounds weird, but they, they, you know, of course they're wonderful to the victims and stuff, but mm-hmm. they more laugh about other things or it's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. that. That's the one my cat thought I was <laughs> crying, <laughs> but I was laughing. I'm trying to think, oh, like I said before, Jimmy Fallon mm-hmm. on... They're fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's others for me, but those are the ones I can think of right now that are just great. Um, Then host a game night. My family 
has, you know, on and off done game nights. The problem is we just end up talking. Right. Not having a lot of game playing. Right. But it's still super fun. Yes. My kids love playing games. And it was funny because Nick, we were heading out and he's like, we didn't even play a game. So he's kind of a stickler about getting some games in. I like that he's a stickler. I'm putting that in quotes. For game plan. I don't know why that's funny to me. <laughs> We've had many game nights with friends that turn out to be just hilarious. Yes. Hang out with people who make you laugh. Mm-hmm. There's almost, like you said, your brother, there's almost always a funny person or funny friend who just knows how to make you laugh. Yeah. Maybe it isn't that they tell the best jokes, but they bring out the playful side in you. Right. If you don't have a funny friend, find one. Yes. Seek one out. Yes. And you can't have too many funny friends. No. Spend time with animals, like you were saying, with your cat. (laughs) Your pets can almost always make you laugh. Yes. You know, I like talking, like what the dog is saying. (laughs) Yeah, the same thing. If you don't have a pet, visit friends or family with pets or volunteer at a shelter. You have to engage with a pet, but animals are almost always good for a laugh. Yes. And learn to laugh at yourself. Some of my best laughs have been at my own expense. My family will gladly tell you that I do some weird things. And worse yet, I talk about those weird, same strange things. My friends call them Colleen stories. <laughs> Can I tell you about one real quick? Yeah. One time I was in a porta potty <laughs> and I got good. hit by a truck while I was oh in it. Oh my gosh. That's my best. <laughs> That's my best. <laughs> did the door, oh my gosh, did the door open? No. But it really was terrifying because I thought they had come to pick it up, like, and take it away. <laughs> so there you go. There is one Colleen story. See? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's priceless. I can make fun I of can't myself. beat that one. But my family will tell you that I'm a good sport and can laugh at myself. <laughs> I think I'm way funnier than I am. They would tell you that. I probably think so, too. And it's not intentional. <laughs> no. And that's okay. Yes. So take some time to invest in laughing each day. Not only does it feel good, but it's healthy for you. Find something that makes you laugh, whether it's a person, a pet, a YouTube channel, or even a comic strip, and embrace the laughter. I think people should get on our Facebook page or send us an email at tangentialinspiration.com and tell us funny shows that they like, because I would love... Yes, or podcasts. Yeah, or funny podcasts. Because I I really... Just anything that would make me laugh. Okay, tell them the email again. Tangentialinspiration at gmail.com. Great. Like I said, there's no question that we need more laughter in the world. A lot more laughter in the world. Yes. And I know Colleen and I love some Big Bang Theory. Yes. I love Lucille Ball. Everybody knows that. My bike's named Lucy. Yes. Um, and someday I'm going to do a deep dive on her, but I need a lot of time. Or maybe it's that I don't feel worthy maybe we'll talking about one whole podcast <laughs> to her. <laughs> there yes. you go. And it'll take a lot of research right. <laughs> for sure because she is the queen to me. But I love Kristen Wiig, Tina Fey, yes. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Amy Poehler. They're all super talented ladies. Mm-hmm. And I think they would all agree that Carol Burnett was a huge influence in comedy, particularly for women in comedy. Yes. I learned from the marvelous Mrs. Maisel that the comedy business was a male-dominated one back in the day. I didn't really know that either until I watched until, that show. Yeah. It's yes. very evident. And I've yes. even looked up some of the things that names are changed, but right. it is based on, you know, some true experiences, yes. probably. Yes. When Carol Burnett got into the business, the television shows with women have the typical stereotypes of the day. You know, the homemaker mom. Sure. Who doted on her family and the husband. 
Carol Burnett's comedy show was anything but typical. Her show ran for 11 seasons, <laughs> and I guess the network had requested a 12th one, but Carol wanted to leave on a high note. She said something like, you want to leave a party before the host turned the lights off. That's cute. So, um, <laughs> That's so awesome. And it reminded me of Seinfeld. So I yes. guess Seinfeld wasn't the only one to do that. Right. In 2011, TV Guide ranked the Carol Burnett show as number 17 on their list of the 60 greatest shows of all time. Wow. During their run, they won 25 primetime Emmys. So it was a huge show. Wow. Carol Burnett was born in San Antonio, Texas in 1933. Her mom was a publicity writer for movie studios, and her father was a movie theater manager. Sadly, they both were alcoholics, and they left Carol with the maternal grandmother, who Carol called Nanny. Her parents would divorce in the late 30s, and when Carol was in second grade, she had an imaginary friend for a short time. Aww. Karen was her imaginary twin sister Aww. with Shirley Temple-like dimples. <laughs> Already an imaginative yes. kid. I'm probably she was. I, I would expect she was a little lonely. I would think too. so too. Yes. She taught herself the Tarzan yell when she was nine, <laughs> having no idea that it would be a fan favorite decades later. Me, me, me. Okay. <clears throat> she worked for a time as an usherette, which I had never heard that word until her book. Usherette. I think it's just an usher, but she's a woman, so she's an usherette. Okay. Um, at the Warner Brothers Theater, it was called the Hollywood Pacific Theater. That is until a couple came in to be seated. And apparently in this book, it said when they did when they had movies, they just kept rolling, rolling, rolling. So you could go in halfway into the movie, watch the second half, and then just stay through and watch the first half. Huh. So they just were going all the time. It's called streaming. <laughs> right. <laughs> you can just, just kill it. <laughs> so this couple comes in for the last five minutes of Alfred Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train. And Carol suggested to the couple that they wait for the next, you know, they wait five minutes and wait for it to start over again because she didn't want the end to be ruined for them. Right. So the manager witnessed the whole scenario and stripped her epaulets from her uniform. That in itself to me sounds like a total skit from her show. I just feel like she was providing good customer I know, service. Exactly. Exactly. But guess where her Hollywood star is located? Right in front of that theater. Yes. yes. I know. So she graduates from Hollywood High School in 1951, and someone anonymously gave her an envelope with $50 a year's tuition at UCLA. $50 was a year's I tuition. Can't I can't even imagine. Yeah. Yes. That's like a meal. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So after UCLA, she made her way east to find work in New York City. And I just wanted to share my takeaways after reading her book this time together, Laughter and Reflection. There are a few times I was literally laughing out loud. <laughs> my husband was wondering what on earth Your I was doing. Your cat didn't come running. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> oh, I probably scared him away. <laughs> Carol lived in New York for a time, and it was before cell phones. So sure. she didn't have a phone. But she had that Tarzan yell she had taught herself when she was nine. One night she was walking home in the dark and someone tried to mug her. Guess what she did? That is fantastic. <laughs> she didn't hate it. But the only thing she could think of in that situation was to yell like Tarzan at the top of her lungs. Loud and cause and she attention. Didn't stop. Yeah. I think the mother the mugger was more scared of her than she was of him. And after that he took off. She also started taking another route home. But just right. picturing that. Made me laugh. That yes. was I was laughing out loud at that. Later, when she was famous, she ran into a fancy department store to grab some stockings in between stuff at work. 
When she got there, she realized she had forgotten her wallet. So no credit cards, no ID. She did have her checkbook, but store policy required that she had ID in sure, order to write a check. I remember those days. So there still are people that... Yeah, not as many. Are, yeah. Yes. I, I seem to run into my fair share of them. Oh. Was in, in front of me in line. But oh, sure. <laughs> she, she laughed and, and told the clerk... You know, the clerk had just watched her give five autographs to people. So it was obvious that she was Carol right. Burnett, but that didn't help. The clerk spoke with the manager, and they decided that if Carol could do the Tarzan yell, that would be her ID. That's awesome. <laughs> so, I have yeah, to right. say. That's so, so fun. The book is just fun. Of You know, it has all these fun stories, but back to the lessons that I learned. Be flexible. Sadly, I am anything but flexible. I don't like surprises, and my kids would point out that I'm pretty set in my ways. I bet I am, too. When you say that, I have to be like, (laughs) yeah, me, too. I like things just so. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the older I get, the more I am that way. Yeah. Agree. So Carol started off studying journalism at UCLA when she took a prerequisite class in acting that she fell in love with performing. So her mother had steered her towards a career in writing. And when I say that she steered her... That's a nice way to put it. According to Carol, she said, she wanted me to be a writer. She said, you can always write no matter what you look like. Oh, my gosh. I know. Wow. I just, it made me grateful that she was raised by her grandma. Yes. Because who says that to their child? And she I, did say it, it hurt. It really Yes. Hurt. So, thank goodness Nanny, that's what she called her grandma, was willing to take that responsibility on. She was flexible. And who knows if Carol Burnett would be where she is without her nanny raising her. And it's kind of funny because grandma, her nanny, didn't want her to move to New York. But an anonymous donor who saw her potential did. So she has another anonymous donor. Wow. He saw Carol at a performance at UCLA, and he offered her a chance to go to New York. He approached her and chatted with her, and she just explained that she didn't have the money. And the man said that he would loan her $1,000 if she used it to go to New York, and she would have to pay him back in five years, no interest. The third stipulation was to be if she became successful, she had to help other people out. I love it. Isn't it awesome? So the donor also said that she could never reveal his name. So she kept her word, paid back the loan on the day it was due, and she never shared his name. Nanny tried to talk her out of moving to New York. She said that Carol's blood was too thin and it was freezing there that she wouldn't survive. (laughs) Your blood is too thin. That does sound like something a grandma would say. (laughs) But Carol's mind was made up and Nanny quickly rolled with it when Carol started getting famous. Nanny started to get to know celebrity journalists and gossip columnists by first name. On first name basis. Wow. And she loved the perks of being Carol's nanny. So it was kind of funny <laughs> that if she had had her way, we might not know who Carol Burnett is today. Right. But there was one time nanny had an extended hospital stay at a, because of a heart attack. Carol, you know, rushes to go see her. And there's this long line of people waiting to go into her room. And she gets in there. And there's a little girl in a ballerina suit and doing a dance. And she was auditioning people to let Carol know who who she liked. And when Carol was like, what are you doing? And she's like, I got bored. (laughs) (laughs) It reminds me of like that show. What is it? You've got talent. So you think you've got talent or something in the hotel. Just for nanny. Just coming on in. And the hospital let her do that. (laughs) Also think of others. 
I love that the anonymous donor put that stipulation in there that she had to help others in need if she were to be successful. What a great way to encourage paying it forward. Most of the stories in the book made me laugh, but the chapter on a young girl named Kathy made me tear up. In 1975, they were just wrapping up their eighth season, and Carol grabbed her stuff. She headed out the door to go home, and she made it to the elevator. The elevator door opens, and out runs her um, secretary, Ray. She caught her, and she said that a woman had called and wanted Carol to call and talk to her daughter because her 12-year-old daughter was dying of cancer. Oh, my God. So she shared the number just in case Carol would call her when she got home. And later that night, Carol called Kathy's hospital room and chatted with the young fan. And apparently Kathy had loved Carol Burnett from birth, like since she was a baby. When she was four, she would point to the TV and Carol was on the television. She'd say that was her friend. So now this 12-year-old girl just wants to meet Carol Burnett. Eight years later, still loves her. So Carol asked Kathy who her favorite character was on, you know, what her favorite episode was. And she said she loved the skits where Carol played the dumb secretary, Mrs. Wiggins. <laughs> Carol asked if Kathy would be up for any travel and invited her to their Wednesday night run through with the cast. And the, thank goodness the doctors made it happen. Right. When Kathy arrived, Carol runs up to her wheelchair and she notices something's going on. Now, this is all within a week of her meeting this young lady. Okay. So very short time, she noticed something odd and her mom explained that she had gone blind the night before. So Carol is sitting there having to hold back tears as, you know, Kathy's, you know, holding her cheeks. I'm I know. Colleen's getting still hear, like, Carol's voice yes. and... Well, and was her. And she even got more because Carol and Vicky taped some lullabies and sent it to Kathy to listen in her hospital room. So the following Wednesday, Carol was scheduled to do her usual rehearsal for the show, but Kathy was just on her mind and she couldn't concentrate. So she told her staff that she wasn't going to do the costuming before. She would just roll with whatever they had. She had to go see Kathy. So she left at 10. She drove two hours to go see her. And she promised her staff she'd be back by three. When she got there, Kathy was listening to her lullabies. And she explained she could only stay until one, but that she wanted to be with Kathy. Just so so sweet. Her mom was on one side of the bed and Carol was on the other. And they both were holding her hands listening to the recording. Lullaby and Goodnight came on and Kathy let out a deep sigh and was gone. It was precisely 1 p.m. Wow. It's like this sweet little soul was holding on as long as possible so she could be with Carol. And thank goodness Carol was there. Right. I just love that. I know. Not nearly as heart-wrenching was Harvey Corman helping out with a very, as Carol put it, wet behind the ears, Vicki Lawrence. Harvey Corman was a legend at the time, apparently, <laughs> but he wasn't above helping others. When the network wanted to let Vicki Lawrence go because she wasn't adding enough to the series, Harvey stepped in and took Vicki kind of under his wing in a way. He coached her about comedic timing, encouraged her to listen to others instead of just waiting for her lines, um, and taught her physical comedy as well. She ended up winning an Emmy in 1976 and side note in 1973 she had a billboard number one hit it was called yes i had to look it up reba mcintyre remade it oh so it's called um when the lights went out in georgia i've heard of the name of that before but i couldn't tell you what it was so 
Yeah, it was the number one hit, apparently. Very interesting. One piece of advice that Harvey gave her that I'm going to keep in mind for myself, he would say, play tennis with people who are better. Yes. Better than you. So, And it's so true in everything in life. My friend always says we all need someone to chase. Oh, I like right? that. Yeah. Because you're always looking yeah. ahead to what? Improve. To improve. Yeah. Correct. I love that. And speaking of Vicki Lawrence, it brings me to my next point on there. Aim high and follow your dreams. So Carol Bonnet was at her desk one day in January. She's extremely pregnant with her second child. She had been due in December. So I'm like, and this was January? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I had to look back They don't again. do that anymore. No, no. <laughs> so she opened a letter that had been forwarded from CBS to her, and it was from a 17-year-old girl asking for advice on breaking into show business. Okay. Talk about aiming high. Yes. This high school girl went straight to, you know, the biggest... Top dog. Yeah, at the time. And she explained that many people thought she looked like Carol Burnett, and she sent a picture and a, a newspaper clipping. They were planning to start this, their show, the Carol Burnett show, in September, and they were looking for a younger sister for Carol. So the young lady was Vicki Lawrence. And oh. her gamble paid off. 17 years old. Wow. So she reads that newspaper clipping and noticed that she was competing in the Miss Firecracker contest <laughs> in Inglewood that night. I think she played her kazoo and she ended up winning. And Fantastic. Carol Burnett in her like turban and she's super pregnant. She didn't want anybody to see her because, right. you know, she was overdue. But anyway, she ended up giving her the prize at the end because she was That's the winner. So and great. I've always thought they looked so similar yeah. personally. So I didn't see it until I was looking for it. Really? So, yeah, you're right. They do. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, it paid off because Vicky would become a regular on the show and, like I said, earned a number of awards. And there's a good chance none of that would have happened if she hadn't shot for the stars. Sure. Mailed that letter to Carol Burnett at CBS. Wow. Carol Burnett herself knew her own dreams, and she was determined to reach them. Back when she was living with five girls at the rehearsal club in New York. So they had five cots, five dressers, one closet, and one bathroom with nope. these five women. <laughs> no, no. She was determined, like all of her roommates, to get an agent. She finally got a meeting with an agent who would ask her, you know, what can I see you in? What have you played in? And obviously that was a problem. She wasn't in anything right. because she didn't have an agent to get her gigs. Sure. And she couldn't get an agent because they'd ask what she'd been in. Vicious circle. Yes. <laughs> so when she expresses her frustration to the agent, the agent just said, you know, put on your own show. I'm sure he was probably being sarcastic. I would guess so too. <laughs> that's yes. exactly what she did. Wow. They put on the rehearsal club review, and three of the roommates got an agent that night. So this is 1955. I love that she helped others by doing that, yeah. too. Yeah. I just, I so much about this woman that I love. Yes. Even when she got Harvey Corman for the show, that was a gamble, because they were looking for a Harvey Corman-type character oh. for the show, and then they just decided, well, why don't we ask him? And then worked out for him. Right. So you just never know. Right. I learned that we accomplish so much more when we work together. So those ladies putting on that show, you know, living together, they always were going to auditions and they all were broke. They came up with an idea to pull their money together to buy a communal dress. So they each contributed it's like five. an audition dress? <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> well, hopefully they were all the same size, though. So, I mean. 
And poor Carol Burnett was really tall. I was just so. going to ask you that. I was yeah, going to say, I she's think really she's tall. really tall. And she didn't have good luck in this dress. So she ended up <laughs> moving to um, this. They bought a $25 orange dress, which, mm. you know, pretty clever because who's going to forget someone That's in an true. orange dress? But it was not good luck for Carol. So she moved to a yellow dress, which funny thing, she is very super, like she really believes bad weather brings her good luck. Hmm. So in Superstitious. all the yeah, in all the great things in her life, there has been really bad weather, rain and horrible <laughs> weather. Carol also wrote that she could be a mom because of her amazing team. The writers gave her the material. Her costumer Bob Mackey was the best, and her cast was top notch. So she humbly points out that the show was a, such a success because of all those pieces. Without them, she wouldn't have a show. Right. Apparently, Harvey Corman was a comedic genius, but he could also be super moody. Usually, he kept his moodiness for Carol. But there was one day he was rude to the studio audience and Tim Conway. Carol would not stand for someone treating part of her team that way. Right. Especially not Tim Conway. She described him as being the nicest man ever. And another side note in this, he apparently had bad luck with his the series that shows he was trying to get on. And they would run for 13 weeks and then get cut. So much so that he got a license plate that just said, a vanity plate that said 13 weeks. Oh. <laughs> so he, it was successful with the Carol Burnett right. show. But it was right. funny that he had such a good sense of humor that he punked himself. Right. She, like I said, wouldn't tolerate that. So she fired him. Fortunately, oh. he knew she was right. He changed his ways mostly and he got his job back. But I love that she stood up for that. Right, she I do too. stood up for her team. Yes. Even if it was firing... A star. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. A male star at that. Yes. I also learned to believe in yourself, but don't take yourself too seriously. Carol Burnett knew what she wanted to do. Like when Lucille Ball offered her a sitcom. Lucille Ball. She declined because it wasn't what she wanted. Here's this extremely successful woman... But a huge chunk of this book is, you know, she's sharing life's bloopers just right. so that we can laugh. And she just wants to give people a laugh. I think, too, it's to show that somebody successful also has a life full of bloopers. Yes, yes. And I appreciate that. <laughs> I do, too. So, for instance, one time she decided to highlight her hair. Her oh. and Julie Andrews were having a special at the Lincoln Center. And Carol woke up in the middle of the night with this brilliant idea. Of highlighting her hair. She wanted I've done that once myself. <laughs> <laughs> once. Once. <laughs> she went to an all-night drugstore, bought some hydrogen peroxide. No. And was combing it in her hair. It didn't do anything. So she kept adding more. Kept adding more until the bottle was gone. And she finally decided that it wasn't going to do anything. She thought she had a faulty bottle. So she towel dries her hair and she goes to bed. And she woke up with her husband shouting, Oh my God, what happened to you? She turned gray overnight or like <laughs> was, bleach blonde She said overnight. it was like the straw man or the, um, it was totally straw. And she said it was like the Wizard of Oz. Oh my goodness. Scarecrow. scarecrow. Yes. Oh her God. hairdresser could only do so much. But I love how she shares the story and her having to perform with the beautiful Julie Andrews. Yes. And her worst hair day ever. Also, I just feel like Julie Andrews is very classy. Yes. Too. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, quite the yes contrast. Yes, but what was even better? She got several letters from viewers asking where she got her hair done. Oh, they must have liked the scarecrow look. The drugstore at midnight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Meet you there. 
It's also the first time she met Cary Grant, and I understand the nerves for sure with that. Right. Her own grandma had said that he was the second prettiest thing on earth <laughs> next to Hedy Lamar. She was invited to a party when Cary Grant walked in. Her husband, Joe, couldn't believe that Carol wouldn't you know, run over and introduce herself. And she kept saying she couldn't, she couldn't. So she went to get her coat. She was going to leave. So her husband, Joe, and Peggy Lee coaxed her into it. And what were her first words when she was introduced to Cary Grant? Awkward long pause. And finally, she breaks the pause with, you're a credit to your profession. (laughs) I thought she was going to say something like, I love you. Or something ridiculous. So her husband, they're on their way home. And he said, I'll never doubt you again. (laughs) Because he had said... Just go say hi. You can go say yes, hi. Yes, you can do this. Even better was the time she met Jimmy Stewart. Oh, yeah. That would be a one for oh, me. <laughs> yeah. She adored Jimmy Stewart after watching his movies with Nanny. So when she was offered the opportunity to pop over to the stage he was on and meet him, she jumped at the chance. He smiled and said he was pleased to make her acquaintance while Carol froze. <laughs> <laughs> then she said, well, I guess it's time to tie on the old fee bag. <laughs> then... <laughs> As if that wasn't enough, she accidentally stepped into a whitewash bucket that was on the set, and then she just rolled with it. She pretended like she did it on purpose, so she's sitting there dragging this bucket across till she leaves. I feel like this is all something I would do. That's the most horrible part. Like, this would be me. She just pretended like it was a bit. Yes. Even though it was all an accident, and no one was laughing. So even with all the mishaps, she still kept laughing. And she didn't let her party fouls ruin anything, which I just love. Right. Right. One thing that Carol couldn't find humor in was her daughter's, Carrie's cancer. In 1998, Carrie was living in Colorado, and she called Carol to see if she wanted to make a play about a 1986 book that Carol had written called One More Time. That was more about her her growing up. Um, it wasn't about Hollywood so much, but it talked about her dysfunctional yet loving childhood household growing up okay so it would be a mom daughter project oh Carol jumped. they got to work on the play and even got Hal Prince to direct it who I guess was a big director Mm, they continued working on the play long distance and then in the summer of 2001 Carrie was diagnosed with lung cancer it would end up going to her brain she did the chemo radiation driving herself apparently and I think they really thought she would win the battle but she was in and out of the hospital, and she would tease that, you know, they'd be like, you just can't stay away. And she's like, I missed the food. <laughs> so obviously had her mom's sense of humor. Yes. Sadly, Carrie passed away in January 2002, just months before the opening of Hollywood Arms, their play. And after her death, Carol didn't want to do anything, much less fly to Chicago and promote the play. I'm sure. So with encouragement from her husband, she threw off the covers, headed to Chicago, asking for a sign from Carrie to help her get through the next few weeks. She wanted Carrie's strength. When they got to the hotel, there was this huge bouquet waiting for her in the room, and it was from Hal. He he said, you know, welcome. It was a beautiful array of birds of paradise. She knew it was a sign. Since Hal had no idea that Carrie loved those so much, she had one tattooed on her her shoulder. Oh, I love that. It was Carrie's flower. So I definitely would say that was a sign. Right. Carol Burnett, such a great lady. Her life wasn't easy for sure. Hasn't been easy. But I'm so impressed she successfully navigated through it. 
all of the movies during the Depression and the war years that she watched with her nanny molded her character and I think started that little spark in her. Right. I'm grateful she's willing to put herself out there and make the rest of us laugh. I think we'd all be a lot happier if more of us did that. Just a couple funny things, like that she is a huge All My Children fan. Oh. Like, she would watch All My Children during her lunch break. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, <laughs> Nanny died at 81 while dating a 41-year-old jazz musician <laughs> from Redondo Beach, which I just love. That is amazing. She had an Aunt Ine that, when, when Carol was a kid, during World War II construction for the Hollywood Hawaiian was going on. In their neighborhood. And the aunt jumps in with her slacks and she's playing and, you know, pretending like they're in the trenches and foxholes. And here's this 60-year-old woman running and jumping and playing with these kids. And it's just one of Carol's best memories. Oh, that's great. So I just think it's adorable that this 60-year-old woman made those memories with her. Yes. Carrie, her daughter, one time had said a, had told a fib. And so Carol, you know, sent her up to her room. She went up to discuss and is having... You know, heart to heart with her, really thinks she's making a difference. And she's Don't like, we all? And she's like, Mom of the Year. She's all excited that they solved it. And she's like, Do you have anything to ask me? And so the daughter asks, How many teeth do you have? And Carol's just like, Clearly, I didn't make oh, any you're of counting them, teeth while I'm, yes, cute. Just so many, so many funny stories in this. And I had no idea until Colleen's husband, Jeff, pointed out that Carol Burnett's birthday, her 90th birthday celebration, is in the works. I guess they already, all these stars went in these beautiful, glamorous gowns. Oh, good. They just taped a birthday special for her, and it'll air the end of April. Great. So you know, I'll be watching that. Yes. Our legacy is really the lives we touch, the inspiration we give, altering someone's plan, even if for a moment, and getting them to think, cry, laugh, argue. More than anything, we're remembered for our smiles, the ones we share with our closest and dearest, and the ones we bestow on a total stranger who needed it right then, and God put you there to deliver. Carrie Hamilton Okay, so here's something else you didn't know about me. Uh, I danced ballet for six oh, years. I no wonder your girls are I, dancers. I loved it. I I don't know why I quit. I remember. I know why my, I quit. <laughs> why? The teacher told my mom that she was wasting her money. Oh, <laughs> and you know what? It, you know, they don't kick anyone out. They want your money. They so do. How bad? I know exactly. Aww. So I did not dance for six years. But, oh, but carry on. <laughs> I think I quit because my favorite teacher moved, and that sounds Aww. so ridiculous now. Looking back, yeah. I've, reg- I've always regretted yeah. it. But I remember dancing. It's not too late. <laughs> I remember dancing to the Star Wars theme up in my bedroom. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> my mom Do you would remember hear me it? up there. No, no. <laughs> Just like I made up my yeah. own. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so there you go, folks. 1977. Um, so as I've mentioned before, my girls are dancers. And I, you know, before they were on point, we would go to watch ballet shows. And I really had no concept of what was hard on point and what wasn't Mm -hmm. um, until they started working on point. And then I realized like this, this is really hard work. Mm -hmm. When I say on point, I mean, point shoes, toe shoes, Mm -hmm. sometimes they're called, but the real word is point shoes. And that's when dancers dance on their toes. Tippy toes. Yeah. Tippy toes is what it looks like. Exactly. Exactly. So 
I can't remember when I first heard about or saw Misty Copeland. I'm sure it was from my daughters. I do initially remember seeing a video of Misty Copeland when she was younger. Mm-hmm. And she was in a crowd of girls dancing. And I remember going, that girl's got it. Mm-hmm. Just watching this random yeah. video. I-, I could tell. She started dancing ballet when she was 13. Now, so for those... late. It's super late. Mm-hmm. For That's what I was going to say. For those who don't know that, most dancers started around three. Oh, my gosh. Both my girls started, my youngest was two and a half. <laughs> I just stuck her in there because we were there. <laughs> and my oldest started around three. Mm-hmm. Just, just a little bit more information, too. It takes years to be on point. My oldest was 13. My youngest was 11. So think about dancing from three to that time. That's how long it takes for your ankles to become ready. Most of my information about Misty is from her book. She's a couple books out. The one I own is called Ballerina Body, Dancing and Eating Your Way to a Leaner, Stronger, and More Graceful You. Mm, I like that. Yep. She said growing up there was little money. They moved around quite a bit. There were six kids in her family. She says, this is a quote, a ruckus in our household and so many personalities clamoring for attention. Mm, As a result, she's very shy. Mm -hmm. Even the thought of being called on in school caused her to deal with debilitating migraines. Mm. I know. Um, That made me so sad. Like, was she the oldest or the youngest? She was not the oldest. Mm -hmm. So there was four kids, I I believe, from one relationship Mm -hmm. and then two more littles. And she was in that first group of four. Okay. Yes. Um... I, did she get scholarships? to? Because dance is expensive. It's coming up. Oh, okay. It's coming okay. up. In the midst of the chaos, music and movement were her refuge. Plies and fuetes. <laughs> if you don't know what a plie and a fuete are, look them up. <laughs> <laughs> I try them. explain them properly, <laughs> but do look them up. She says plies and fuetes were still over the horizon, but she loved to dance to TLC, oh. Salt and Peppa, <laughs> and Mariah Carey. She also loved, this name I think will ring a bell with you. She mimicked moves of legendary gymnast Nadia Comaneci. Oh, Do you remember yeah, her? Yeah, 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 yeah. She began to teach herself these moves and found that she could do cartwheels and splits mm-hmm. really easily. Oh my gosh. I know. So just naturally gifted. Yes. After school, she and her siblings would go to the Boys and Girls Club. This is an organization that gave children a place to play and grow, and I believe also helps with homework. Mm-hmm. So her drill team instructor, who to this day, consi- this, is, this woman, Misty, still considers her her godmother now. Mm. But she saw her move, and she suggested that she attend a ballet class at the club. This club was taught by a woman named Cynthia Bradley. Misty still had no clue about ballet. She sat on the bleachers, you know, remember being really shy. Yeah. And she watched the first class. They were teaching pirouettes. That's turning. (laughs) (laughs) It's prettier than that, but it's turning and stretching. And she was very shy, like I said, and so it was really terrifying for her. Cynthia gently started encouraging her to join the group. She didn't have a leotard or tights. And and can I just tell you as a as a dance parent? Leotards, especially when your girls are older, older, thirty five to a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so That's particular one about leotards. leotards. One leotard. Yeah. I would hang those babies up. They didn't <laughs> go in the dryer. Even tights, I yeah. would hang up yeah. because tights were even fifteen dollars a yeah. pair. So it, it's, it adds it's, up. It really adds yeah. up. So she had on these two big gym shorts and socks. She finally went across the floor, and she says she joined the class and put her hands on the bar. Big step for her. Yes. 
and at 13, quote, far too old in the eyes of many purists to be getting my start in ballet. I'm glad she didn't listen to the purists. Same. Yeah. And I'm just, I love that all these people saw it in her. Mm -hmm. Um, At the age of 15, she won first place in the Music Center Spotlight Awards. She then began her studies at Lauritsen Ballet Center. Copeland has studied at the San Francisco Ballet School and American Ballet Theater. That is called ABT. I'm Mm -hmm. going to mention that a couple of times Mm -hmm. because that is where she still dances. Mm -hmm. So that's American Ballet Theater. She did a summer intensive for them. And you even have to try out for the intensive. An intensive is usually Thank you. That was going to be what my next question was. (laughs) An intensive is usually... Eight hours a day, mm. five days a week for a number of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, my girls have been to one week and two week intensives, mm-hmm. and um, it's like it's your job. Yeah, it's your yes. job to be yes. dancing the whole time. Yeah. yeah, you dance the whole time. They usually bring in specialists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know one time uh, my daughter was at an intensive, and they did jumps that usually men do. They wow. taught them how to do mm-hmm. it, which was really fun. Mm-hmm. She loved it so. She, when she went to this summer intensive, it was on a full scholarship. So she tried out for this summer mm-hmm. intensive because they are very expensive. Yeah, yeah. Too. She was declared ABT's National Coca-Cola Scholar in 2000. Aww. She actually joined ABT Studio Company in September 2000. When you're in ballet, you don't just come in and, and do the top role. Mm-hmm. You've got to, I'm trying to think of the word, climb kinda, up there. <laughs> I guess after the near. Earn your way up. Earn your stripes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So she joined ABT in 2000. She was appointed a soloist. Oh, so she was just in the Corps de Ballet. So that's just almost like if you went to see the Nutcracker, that's the group that's Mm -hmm. dancing. You know, they're Mm -hmm. not the soloist. She became part of that group in 2001. A soloist in 2007. So six years of work to just be a soloist. So in 2001, Mm -hmm. without doing the math. Yes. How old was she when she started this? Hmm. Just roughly, because she didn't 2000. start 2000. 2000, so 15. Oh, so still. she would have been... Only been dancing for two right. years. Correct. Wow. Correct, exactly. Crazy. I, I mean, when I look at how long yeah. you know, my girls danced to get where they were, two years. Yeah, definitely. And that's why I wanted to point out how long it takes you to get on point, because... Mm-hmm. Through this time, think about it. She's on flat is what mm-hmm. they they call it. You know, those regular leather soft ballet mm-hmm. shoes and went to point in two years. So not yeah. only, I mean, that's a yeah. quick transition as well. And she was promoted to a principal dancer in August 2015. So that's when you get the big roles. Yeah. I think that's when so. people started talking about her. Yes. I think that's when I... Yes. She was in, like, Shape Magazine or something, and yes. that's when I finally heard. Right, and we're going to talk a little bit more about what that meant mm-hmm. for her. One thing I wanted to bring up is that around this time with ABT, she was told she needed to lengthen. I'm going to put that in quotes. Because she really didn't know how to eat mm-hmm. as a child. She wasn't taught nutrition. Yeah. and That's so their she, word for lose weight? Correct. Mm. Yes. But she said, I knew that I needed to eat more mindfully. Mm-hmm. And she just had not, like I said, she hadn't been taught proper nutrition as a child and a young woman, but she did come to accept that all along her body was perfect for her. And the book goes into this more, uh, but she's just a clean eater. She's Mm -hmm. a pescatarian. If Mm -hmm. you don't know what that is, it's basically a vegetarian plus fish. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what she subscribes Mm -hmm. to. Um, And she 
Well, and I would think growing up, you know, if they didn't have money, right, it would be hard to have good, you know, exactly eating habits if exactly. you weren't raised that way, right? So. And so she kind of went on a mission to be what is perfect for mm-hmm. me, what is healthy for me. See, and that's so inspiring for young girls. Yes, not the um, lengthening part. I have a problem right. with that, but I understand it's. The industry. And at this point, too, she was going through puberty, Mm. and that changed her body as well. Yeah. So it was a process. So just going back to, in 2015, she danced the leading role in a ballet called Firebird. And if you Google Misty Copeland, you will see her standing outside the theater looking at herself on a huge poster of Firebird. And it's really, really a cool picture. Mm -hmm. So she was the only black woman in one of the world's most famous dance companies, which is ABT. Mm -hmm. It was the first time she had danced as a prima ballerina as well. That was her first role. When the curtain fell, she revealed something no one had imagined. She had six stress fractures in her left Mm. shin. I don't know if you remember this part, but she had been dancing on in pain for a long time. Mm-hmm. And she just knew, I want to do Firebird. Aww. So she got through that, but she needed surgery. Mm-hmm. And she was told she may never dance again. Mm. This was unacceptable to her. She had surgery and she went through therapy. In the book I previously mentioned, she talks about this therapy. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. She worked with an instructor called Major Marjorie Leibert, who was trained in a floor bar technique. Mm. Basically, Misty, because she couldn't stand on that yeah, leg after surgery. Couldn't be weight-bearing, yeah. And she shows all these in the book. It's so interesting. Basically, she laid on the floor and did all her ballet moves, but laying But on the floor. Oh. Yes. It allowed her to execute moves she would have normally done standing at the bar while lying down on her living room floor. She also talks about how she really envisioned herself back at ABT stronger more graceful, a better dancer than she was before. Her muscle retained the memory of what they needed. She That's believes, amazing. I know. It's so cool. Yeah. If you've ever done, though, a mat Pilates workout mm-hmm. or something like that where it's all on the floor, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. it's no joke. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. I had so. guys that would laugh at it like it's for ladies, and I'm like, you come in and try to do it without momentum. That's the right. key. Right, right. the guys would, you know. Body right. weight is huge with Pilates right control yes Um, it's no joke she believes that visualizing herself whole and healed sped up her recovery kept her focused and dedicated and help her block out depression and fear that could have stopped her I just love that I love that yes Misty has become a strong advocate for diversifying the field of ballet and creating access for dancers of varying racial and economic backgrounds she served on the advisory committee for ABT's Project Plie. This program started in 2013. It offers training and mentorship to dance teachers in racially diverse communities around the country, mm-hmm. as well as the Boys and Girls Club, oh, where she took her first yeah. class. Full circle. Yes, it's yeah. so cool. So her first mentee, she, well, she was dancing in nut, in the Nutcracker mm-hmm. as the Sugar Plum Fairy. Mm-hmm. Colleen knows all the parts. She probably even knows the dance moves. Right. (laughs) We'll talk about that in just a minute. But she was a guest artist at a small ballet school in Harlem. And in the Nutcracker, she was the Sugar Plum Fairy. Now, the Sugar Plum Fairy is really the hardest part in the Nutcracker. Mm -hmm. Usually it's two solos, Mm -hmm. and it's it's just the hardest part. Mm -hmm. So she was the Sugar Plum Fairy, and her mentee was Clara. 
Which, mm-hmm. if you've seen the Nutcracker, is mm-hmm. the young girl that's the main character mm-hmm. in Nutcracker. And she just really saw something in this girl. So now I know so. why you're why Sophie really wanted to be the Sugar Plum Fairy. Correct. So And she had I been Clara not, before yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't so, realize yeah. that was the hardest part in there. Yes. And yes. Her wanting, now I'm learning so much about ballet. <laughs> about dance. Who <laughs> <Yeah>. knew? <laughs> um, so she asked if she could talk to this girl's mom. And she did. This mentee, or this girl that had played Clara, her name was Erica. She was one of 10 children. Her family was very supportive of dance, but they were not familiar with ballet as a professional Mm -hmm. career, and they were not clear how to nurture her continued study, which... Yeah. How would they know? How would they know? Yeah. So Misty was able to get her an open audition at ABT. She wrote emails Mm -hmm. to ABT to see how they could offer financial help, Mm -hmm. because as we talked about, dance is pretty expensive. If you want to know, a pair of point shoes runs close to $100, just one pair. And you can go through that pair in less than a month. That's crazy. So, yes. Um, this Erica ended up getting a full scholarship and trained for two years at ABT. Mm. So, Misty talks about how she continues to mentor many girls. Mm-hmm. She helps them deal with self-doubt, how to reach their next level in dancing, auditioning, taking care of themselves due to an injury, mm-hmm. nutrition, and how to handle being a person of color in a largely white world of ballet. See, I admire that Me even too. more than her dance. I mean, I'm impressed yes. with her being an amazing dancer. Yeah, of course. But this is, yep. she does all that. It's yes. just amazing. Yes, I, I was so impressed yeah. with that, with, with her. Just a quote from Misty. You can create your own project plie. You can nurture someone else's budding talent or encourage another to live her or his best life. We all have so much to teach, and each of us has a singular perspective that can benefit those around us much more than we realize. One more thing I wanted to bring up, because it was so interesting to me, is that if you've ever seen Misty dance, you'll notice that her shoes are not the same color as other ballerinas. So if you if you buy point shoes at a store, mm-hmm. they're very light pink. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely made for a lighter skinned person. Mm-hmm. And if somebody else who's darker puts mm-hmm. them on... It looks silly, yeah. honestly. You're, if they're on stage, your, your, your eyes, eyes go, go right to, to that. Feet. Oh, I would so, never even think about, consider that. Yes. So a lot of times I believe these girls would almost color their shoes with makeup mm-hmm. to make it look more natural, mm-hmm. which is the way it should yeah. look. So, but in 2018, a company came up with different colors of point Good shoes. For which them. I thought that was so awesome. And that really isn't that long ago. I should have yes. been... 2018. Yeah. Freed of London. So there's many point shoe companies, and I think they're mm-hmm. all coming on board with it and realizing mm-hmm. this. But Freed of London started making shoes for black, Asian, and mixed race. Good for them. I just loved it. Yeah. Even if you've never danced ballet, or this doesn't, you know, excite you like mm-hmm. it does me. <laughs> like, I encourage how you... Could to, how could it not? How could it not? I encourage you to try, try a bar class. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. You will be amazed how this low-impact workout works your whole body. Yeah. Um, as you all know, I've been under the weather for the last <laughs> couple of weeks. Finally, today, I was ready to work out, and that's what I did. I did bar. Good for you. Because it's a great workout. Mm-hmm. You're sweaty. I remember going to my very first bar workout. It was at a studio, and I told my husband, I'm going to go do this bar class, and then I'm going to come home and, you know, do something yeah. else. Yeah. Well, needless to say, <laughs> I did not need another workout. Yeah. So, 
I hope you enjoyed learning yes. about Misty. Oh my I gosh. sure did. And Fire, know. what was the one? I need Firebird. to go Firebird. Firebird, yeah. Yes, look for that picture because it's this beautiful poster of her up what there. A, it's just amazing. What a neat lady. Yes, I was very impressed with her. I think that most people don't really understand all that it takes to stand on your toes and to be able to jump and land without any noise, or for a male dancer to be able to lift a girl. All of these things look so effortless, but there's an attention to detail and years of training, as well as being able to transform into a character and being able to meld all those things together. Misty Copeland. Suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.